재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 It is now time for our new segment here on this spring 2016 season of Primetime International News Digest. We're going to get some expert analysis on some of the top stories making headlines across the globe. Uh, our first guest, uh, very pleased to have joining us from the University of Exeter, Arab and Islamic Studies uh, instructor, Dr. Alam Saleh. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Saleh. We want to talk about Iran uh, recently test firing multiple ballistic missiles last week. A lot of people saying that this might be in violation to uh, various accords. Uh, what do you think in your analysis are the motivations and maybe uh, the potential implications of this uh, recent missile test? Well, actually, it might have um, a more than one motivation. It, it has a, a, at least three different reasons why Iran it's, uh, tested its missile at this particular time. One is internal and domestic issue. Um, as the conservatives uh, have uh, badly heated by, uh, by, by the reformists and the moderates uh, in, in the recent election, mm. um, they've also been um, re- rejecting and opposing the nuclear deal that um, the government, the, the Hassan Rouhani's government, has uh, reached with the Western powers. Um, so as a result, this was a reaction against the kind of a domestic fragmentation and divisions between reformists and conservatives. It was a response, a kind of a negative response to to the recent reformist achievement, in other words. Uh, on the other hand, externally, there was a, at the same time, there was a military exercise, one of the biggest in the region ever, uh, had taken place in Saudi Arabia with uh, at least 20 countries involved. So that was also a response to the external internal and regional issues uh, rather than just um, <clears throat> um, a, a technical or, or military um, uh, test. So a final, a final um, kind of reason might be just a technical and military mm. um, test, um, uh, which, which, which is needed every once in a while. Now, just to clarify, because you would assume that the leaders in Iran would full well know that the international reaction would be negative and some people might even say it would threaten the uh, recent nuclear uh, deal signed between uh, Iran and the U.S. and and their allies, uh, that uh, this this test was not necessarily sanctioned by Rouhani and his moderate allies and this was something that uh, was engineered by the, the conservative side. That is a possibility? Well, actually, it's, uh, they, they also know that the international uh, powers are also deeply divided in, when it comes to the issues in the Middle East. Uh, we have Russia and, and China are always backing and siding uh, and, and opposing any kind of extra uh, action or, or, or sanction against Iran. Uh, they know that United States declining power in the region has also it also played very important role. So they want also to play on these international divisions between Russia and and, and United States, uh, uh, which which is which is uh, omnipresent and evident in issues in the Middle East, in particularly the issues in 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 Syria, in, in on Iran, and and we also saw this in 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 Iran's uh, kind of negotiations with uh, with the five plus one. Um, 
uh, Western powers, including Russia and, and China. So uh, they 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 do care more about the military might mm-hmm. and the real politics rather than international community and what the international community thinks about uh, Iran's uh, kind of military behavior in the region. Yeah, it is an interesting situation where perhaps the conservative Republicans on the U.S. side and the conservative uh, uh, elite in in Iran are sort of, uh, I guess, on the same path as to wanting to scuttle this deal. Ultimately, do you think this deal, which is, I suppose, a pretty large part of the uh, U.S. President Barack Obama's diplomatic legacy, is that in jeopardy right now? Um, I, I think what the Iran missile test did not violate the, the nuclear agreement uh, uh, by any means. It was actually it, uh, it was rather violating the UN resolution, um, uh, and and this is something which so yesterday Russians rejected any kind of um, UN resolutions against Iran in the in the in the Security Council. So as a result, it, uh, again, Iran knows very well that what's going on in the region, mm-hmm. what's going on in the international system, how Russians want to keep the balance of power in the region uh, for their own political reasons, how China wants to keep Iran as a state quo in order for their own kind of economic um, uh, uh, interests. And as a result, by understanding such divisions internationally and regionally, and of course, as you just mentioned, internal domestic issues such as the <clears throat> United States uh, re- uh, upcoming election mm-hmm. it also plays a very important role. Conservatives in Iran know that how to play a uh, role in affecting the, the election's result in, in many different ways by triggering the conservatives and, and the hardliners in, in, in the United States. Very interesting. Uh, final uh, question. Russia recently uh, announcing they are going to significantly scale back their military presence in Syria. I suppose uh, they're saying that they've met their objective in shoring up the Assad regime. What are, what are your prospects for the, uh, the Middle East and the entire region over the next few months? Uh, I think that the Middle East issues are, are too complicated. It, it's, um, it, we don't have a problem in the Middle East. We have problematics. We have a, 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 a chain of problems linked to each other. Subnational, national, regional, and international actors and factors play a role in, 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 in shaping the Middle East uh, political and security dynamics these days. Uh, Russians met their objectives, I would uh, argue. They, 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 first of all, they could uh, make the issue of Ukraine forgotten. Uh, nobody talks about Ukraine. Uh, nobody talks about uh, Bashar Assad leaving the power precondition- preconditionally. Um, and also, uh, they, they marginalize the rebel power or re- re- kind of um, uh, the opposition groups in, in Syria so badly. So as a result, um, of course, the economic factors play also an important role in, in the decision. Altogether, they've reached their object- objective kind of um, goals, and as a result, they are, um, they are now uh, becoming, for the first time since the Second World War, as, as a kind of a regional power playing role in in in, in what's happening mm. in the Middle East. Um, 
And okay. this is something that United States doesn't like much. Right. Well, uh, very important points indeed. Dr. Saleh, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your insights. You're welcome. That was Dr. Bye. Alam Saleh from the University of Exeter. Now we're going to focus on European economics, uh, helping us out with that. From the University of Cambridge, macroeconomics professor Giancarlo Corsetti. Hello. Hello, good evening. Yes. Well, Thank good you. evening to you. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor. We want to first start with the Italian economy. According to uh, recent statistics, the unemployment rate dropped in 2015 for the first time in seven years. Uh, it was quite yep. high. Uh, essentially, it, this is good news, certainly, but what do you think are the major factors contributing to uh, Italy's relative success, especially uh, dealing with the youth unemployment rate? Well, there are two major factors. One is on the demand side, the weak euro from the beginning of 2015 that helped with some activity on export. That was a very important point. The second thing is the reform of the labor market. We have a jobs act that basically is attempting to overcome the dualism in the labor market. We have like temporary contracts and permanent contracts for the longest time, temporary contracts was the way for, for, for young people to have uh, uh, a job, going from job to job. But now there is uh, an attempt to go to a unique contract, and, uh, which is basically offer increasing protections over time. At the beginning, people can be fired, then uh, there will be more and more guarantees. And uh, to sweeten this new contract, uh, the government uh, is giving very strong subsidy so for the first, uh, in 2015, new people, new employment had 8,000 euro, up to 8,000 euro of uh, exemption for social security taxes, mm-hmm. which created, of course, a, a strong incentive to move to the new contract, uh, hiring basically young people. And th- this subsidy has gone down dramatically now in 2016, but still seems that uh, it's working. People are now hiring on a permanent basis. So those are the two major factors that sort of trying to jumpstart uh, a new phase uh, in Italy. Still very timid, of course, but uh, the, the, those right. are very important steps. Now, um, of course, a lot of media attention on uh, the challenges faced by the Eurozone in general, but we're seeing pockets of, of positive uh, trends here. Uh, as far as Italy specifically uh, itself, what would you say some of the short-term and long-term challenges uh, the economy faces there? Oh, there is, uh, well, paradoxically, in Italy, many uh, of the traditional problems, like, you know, rigidity in the labor market, the social security, all these things are, are going to be dealt with, or have been dealt with very nicely mm-hmm. already. The real issue is now the banking system, because Italy did not participate in any of the uh, bailouts, in any of the uh, reform that uh, other countries could do also with help, financial help from abroad or from the state, uh, and now is suffering from many, many years of recession. So the banking system is basically accumulating losses. Mm. This is the, 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 the major challenge in the short run to basically make sure that the banks come back to lending to their job uh, and have the opportunity to, to, to deal with their, with their losses, not performing loans. And there are pro, pro, there is already progress there, but it's it's, it's a difficult, mm. uh, you know, it's a very delicate uh, passage. So this is definitely the uh, short-term problem, and of course the public debt. But but those right. two are are related, uh, in the sense yeah. that the, of course the the problem of the banks may be may cast a shadow on uh, fiscal sustainability.
The youth unemployment problem is something that Korea also has a really big problem trying to deal with. Uh, we look at success in Italy. Do you feel that that uh, drop in unemployment rate, those reforms, those are all sustainable? Uh, it is a little bit early to say, but I would be optimistic. Also because, you know, we have many, many years of recession and uh, and there is a sense in which people also politically are now uh, much more focused on, uh, you know, what could be a sustainable solution. Hopefully, hopefully will be, <laughs> uh, the political system will, uh, will settle on, uh, on, good, on good and sustainable solution. So I would be optimistic. Of course, you know, it, it is, uh, uh, there is some uncertainty out there. Well, uh, we're going to continue on that optimistic uh, line of thought with Ireland. Uh, I suppose in comparison to much of the rest of the Eurozone, Ireland has really outperformed some of the other economies over the past two years. Uh, economic output in the Eurozone as a whole grew 1.6% back in 2015. But statistics say Ireland has uh, grown at its fastest pace since uh, uh, 2000. They've had a growth rate of 7.8%. That sounds amazing. That sounds like China right now. What are some of the major factors that uh, are leading to Ireland's, I suppose, outsized performance compared to the rest of Europe? Oh, I think it's actually Italy and Ireland are a, a great um, kind of comparison mm-hmm. set, you know, because uh, let's take off the table the structural issue. Ireland is a very small economy compared right. to Italy, like 2 million instead of 25 million workers. But uh, uh, also, like, it's a very open economy, so there is an element of foreign direct investment, the tax shield by corporation. All these must be factored in. There will be some tax advantage for uh, large corporations to move back to, to Ireland in the last few years. But apart from this, there is the other side. Ireland could move early on on the bank and could move early on on the uh, fiscal sustainability. There was a bailout, there was money, there was a program, all this early on mm. caused a lot of pain, but uh, now basically the, the dividend is coming out. So the, the, having fixed the banks already and having the, the to, to a large extent, of, of course not completely, but to a large extent fixed the banks and having set uh, the fiscal uh, um, budget on a sustainable path, now they can basically rebound. And they're rebounding pretty, pretty fast, with the help, of course, of international uh, um, uh, um, um, corporation. In the case of, of Italy, we have exactly the opposite. So we, we didn't deal with the bank. We didn't deal with, with mm-hmm. the bank problem and the fiscal problem early on. So now it's become a, a slightly more difficult. But again, in Ireland, it's always good to keep separate the GDP growth. I mean, what is produced in Ireland from the income. And part of the large part of the income of Ireland actually belongs to international corporation of the profit. So there's about mm. 15% of difference. And also the growth rate may, may be slightly different on the two accounts. So having say so, it's definitely admirable what's going on in, in Ireland at this point. Yeah, and there's a very instructive comparison you've made with Ireland and Italy, and the size of the economy is, of course, very different, and Ireland being very open, and some people kind of liken it to maybe sort of a European sort of Silicon Valley type of situation where a lot of tech firms are uh, finding uh, uh, success there. This this Irish economy is not necessarily a, a model that can be uh, duplicated duplicated in other European countries, right? 
No, very, very difficult. I mean, it, it is basically impossible. There is also a sense in which, uh, you know, kind of opportunistic policies may actually sometimes go borderline to an issue with political cohesion there. But uh, having said so, uh, I think they take advantage of uh, their position very nicely. The other side of it is the country that may be most damaged by Brexit. Mm. So there is yeah. a political cloud there, which is if the UK really move around uh, and, and goes away from the EU, the uncertainty of the UK will, uh, will be heavy on Ireland. So I'm sure there is something on which they're working pretty right. hard. Our final question for you, Professor, uh, maybe a bit more of a macro, a monetary policy view of what's going on in Europe right now. Recently, we had a chance to uh, speak with Jean-Claude Trichet, the former head of the ECB. Uh, got his thoughts on the recent, I suppose, moves that have made a lot of headlines, negative interest rate policies, um, expanding quantitative easing. Are these ultimately, I know there's a lot of debate, but are these moves ultimately going to be successful in helping the uh, European economy recover this year? Well, the answer is definitely yes, it is a positive contribution. But if you look at what the ECB is doing, is dealing with, uh, on the one hand, they have a segmented market situation. Firms in Europe uh, can borrow very different rates, have very different market conditions, and they're trying to fix as much as they can what, uh, in, in, of, what of this segmentation translates into the so-called uh, uh, transmission mechanism, monetary condition. They're really trying to make markets closer across, uh, across uh, market conditions closer across borders. On the other hand, they cannot do everything by themselves. There is an issue of macroeconomic stance in Europe, and that is what uh, the fiscal part of the equation must, uh, you know, in a way, at some point, they must come in. There is a sense in which uh, uh, fiscal policy out of some kind of uh, uh, cohesion or coordination must do its part. Mm. And uh, so I would say definitely a, a, an important contribution uh, uh, and uh, you should look at the detail of the decision, not only negative interest rate, also expanding the the, the type of asset that they buy, also corporate bonds, mm. and making sure that banks are not uh, hit by the negative rates, having all kinds of programs to allow banks to actually borrow basically a subsidized rates and try not to make them hit, not, not to hit them with a negative rate. So they're doing their part. And they're, in a way, they're creating a, a window of opportunity in, uh, for uh, the fiscal part, the fiscal policy to come in. We will see what happens in the next few months. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating indeed. Uh, Professor, uh, thank you so much for your thoughts. A really interesting discussion on uh, how the economy is faring there. It's good to get that perspective from way here in Korea. I hope to have you again soon. Uh, Professor, best of luck. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. Bye-bye.